Uh, it's interesting. I feel like the pandemic of COVID actually was the cure, at least temporarily, for a pandemic we had in this country for quite a while called busyness. People were busy. I think that ad so, uh, so illustrates that. You work hard, you work hard, you work hard, so you can acquire more, and you can get more, and you can get, and you can get, and you can get. And uh, some of the comments on YouTube underneath that ad was like, yeah, and then, you know, you give your kid a high five because that's the only time you see them because we're so busy working hard. I, as I was doing some study and looking at some things, I read an article and it talked about this Swedish economist who came up with the phrase, the harried leisure class, which means that as people accrue wealth, they have more consumption available to them and pack their day with more activities. Pre-pandemic, I would say that describes a lot of people in the Tri-Cities pretty well, don't you think? We're seeking to accrue things and packing our day with more and more and more activities. This article uh, interviewed this one guy named Robbie uh, from Vancouver who worked long hours as a non, at a nonprofit before the pandemic. And he said, busyness fueled my insecurity and imposter syndrome. The busier I got, the more I would take on for fear of seeming irrelevant. I definitely wore the busy badge of honor complaining about it to colleagues and friends, but I was secretly proud that so many people relied on me to get things done. The busy badge of honor. It's almost that way, wasn't it? You know, how you doing? I'm busy. Like, that was supposed to mean something, like that elevated us, that made us more important, because I'm really busy. Yeah, I'm so busy, I got stuff to do. I mean, I, I, my, I, yeah. And we get wrapped up in this busyness. And that's, I think, one of, been one of the interesting things about COVID is it's caused so many people to slow down, catch their breath. And I'm curious to see as things continue to open back up and life returns to normal, whatever normal is, how quickly people will return to that level of busyness. I got to be busy. I got to be active. Some people have been really grateful, like, man, I'm just going to sit here and stay chilling. And so, as we come to our passage today, as our conversation, we're in the middle of this series of conversations with Jesus. If you've been in the church very long, you're probably well familiar with this conversation. You've probably heard it multiple times. But I'm hoping that today you might see something new. Maybe you'll hear something new. And I'll be honest, as I was even going over my notes this morning, over my breakfast cereal and going through things, and I felt like God told me to put some, I'm like, Lord, I think I've already shared that illustration. And he said, share it anyway. So, you've heard the story in the scripture before. You might have heard a couple of my illustrations before, but I'm trusting that God will use it this morning to challenge each of us right where we're at. So if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to open to Luke chapter 10. As we look at Jesus and his conversation with Martha. Now he has a conversation with Mary too. We just don't get the interaction. We get the interaction with Martha. So why don't you stand with me as we read the scripture this morning. Luke chapter 10 beginning in verse 38. 
It says, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village uh, where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted. I feel like that a lot. Distracted. Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset by all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come to you this morning, help us to discover that one thing anew and afresh. I pray that you take away the many distractions that I know are clogging our hearts and our minds even this morning. Family and job and school and COVID and finances and relationships, Lord. There's so many details to be distracted by, and I pray, Lord, that you would remove those. We invite your Spirit into this place, that your Holy Spirit would have free reign this morning to encourage, to challenge, to convict. And Lord, that we'd bring glory and honor to you in this place. That your name would be glorified and magnified. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now we're going to take some time this morning and there's only three characters in this story. Just a few short verses, three characters appear. We got Martha, we got Jesus, and we got Mary. And we're going to look at their interactions and we're going to see this morning how the focus of your energies impacts your impact. The focus of your energies impacts your impact. We're going to start with Martha. And the reality is Martha gets a bad rap. Okay? And not the kind like I try and do that's really poor. Yeah, I'm not a rapper. I'll leave that to Pastor Matthew. He, he's got a little bit better beat and groove than I do. But she gets a bad rap, bad reputation because she's so busy. And I just got to be honest, I'm a doer. I'm one, you know, personality profile. You've been on a mission team with me. I'm a lion, a type A, a driver. Now let's get, there's things to do. Let's get them done. Right, Doreen? Come on, you can give me an amen. All right, thank you. <laughs> Dorian and I, we relate. We're doers. We get it done. And Martha gets a bad rap because she's doing, because she's serving. The reality is she was doing very good things. Jesus and the disciples, they'd been traveling, they'd been ministering, they'd been serving. Her heart is to feed these people. Let's, let's make sure that they get food. She's serving. But in her service, the focus of her energies gets a little out of whack. And it impacts her impact. And I know that's true for us. 
I know people, in fact, I met a gal uh, early in ministry that she figured because of all the good things she did, Jesus would one day weigh that out on a scale somehow and say, all right, well, your good stuff outweighs your bad stuff, so you're in. But what we forget is our good stuff is never good enough. It never measures up. Paul told us that our, uh, our righteousness is as filthy rags before God. All our right stuff, all our good deeds, all our good stuff, when Jesus looks at it, God looks at it, it looks like filthy rags. That's why we need Jesus. Paul wrote in Ephesians about God's grace. God saved you by his grace when you believed. Praise him for his grace. He did the work. He offered salvation. You can't take credit for it. We try and take credit for so much. Look at me, God. Look at how much I did. Look at how good I'm doing. He said, no, you don't measure up. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast. No matter how good you are, no matter how often you read your Bible, no matter how many prayer meetings you go to, no matter how much money you stick in the boxes at the back, it it just doesn't measure up. That's why Jesus came. He died on the cross taking all of our sin, all of our works, all of our heartache onto himself, and he came back to life so that you can rest. So that you can give up striving. So that you can know for sure that your sins are forgiven. Have a hope for the future, a hope for tomorrow, and rest. Because you can't work your way to God. He's already done it. And some of us who've been saved for a long time, we've been Christ followers for a while, and we go, praise Jesus for his grace. I know I'm not saved by works, but I'm pretty sure God saved me to work. And we think that we get some sort of gold stars with Jesus if we do more and more and more and more. And while we'll we'll say I've been saved by grace, We think that now I'm saved, I have to be busy, 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 busy doing all these good things for Jesus. And we get distracted like Martha did. But herein lies the tension, right? Because Paul, who writes, you've been saved by grace, it's not a reward for good things we've done. In the very next verse, verse 10 says we are his workmanship, his masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus. Why? So we could do good things. Wait a minute. I thought he saved me from work. He did. But he's also created you for good things. The question often becomes, though, am I doing these good things he planned for me out of a sense of duty, because I have to do it, or a sense of devotion, because I get to do it. He loved me. He gave for me. How could I not 
give back for him. James writes about the same tension. He says, faith without works is dead. John Calvin. John Calvin said, it's faith alone which justifies, yet the faith which justifies is not alone. So I don't have to work and strive to earn God's favor. Yet, my natural response to what he's done for me should be to serve in return, to give myself back to him. And my fear in this day of COVID and this break people have had is that they've gotten used to the, I don't have to work. I can roll out of bed on a Sunday morning and watch church in my jammies. It's been kind of nice to not have to show up early to do something at church. I'm just going to have a leisurely breakfast and come to the 11 o'clock service. And then I'll just cruise on out when I'm done. And we miss out on the good things he planned for us long ago. The focus of our energies impacts our impact. If my energy is, the focus of my energy is on Jesus and what he's done for me, then that should impact the impact. And some of us aren't having impact because we're enjoying our time, our slower schedule. It's about me. We have uh, some wonderful volunteers, a wonderful kids program, first hour. Heidi and Pastor Matthew and the volunteers do a great kids experience first hour. We don't have a kids experience second hour. We have families show up second hour with kids looking for something for their kids. But we currently don't have a kids experience second hour because we don't have any volunteers. We have opportunity to impact families and kids. But who's going to step into it? I love that you guys are all here second hour. That's awesome. Some of you I know serve first hour and then come in for the service second hour. I want to challenge you. Maybe you could come to first hour. Worship. Sing. Get pumped up with Jesus and then go out second hour and serve. Best of both. Summer Blast coming up starting Wednesday. Heidi, we need more volunteers still? Uh, yeah, always. <laughs> starting Wednesday, six weeks, 9 a.m. to noon. You don't have to commit to all six weeks. I know you might be going on vacation, but come and serve the week you're here. TJ's on vacation. Daniel's here helping run things in TJ's absence, but I noticed that Daniel, who was upstairs first hour coordinating everything, is sitting behind a ca camera second hour because we're missing volunteers, I'm guessing. You could sit behind the camera and still worship and still hear the word and serve and to give back to Jesus. What's the focus of our energy? And I know that, honestly, it's easy to get 
wrapped up in thinking about ourselves and thinking about how, what our life is like and what we need and, and how things go and how we look. In fact, I've gotten caught in that trap. I remember early in our ministry, we were living in misery, Missouri, and uh, I was <laughs> working for an organization called Child Evangelism Fellowship. I oversaw their summer missions program. We'd bring uh, college students in for two weeks of training in Mi- Missouri, and then we'd put them on a plane, and they'd spend six weeks uh, around the world uh, serving, teaching kids, and then they'd come back for a couple days in Missouri before they headed home. And it was a great program, great exposure for young people. Uh, I know some young people who, they went to uh, the summer missions program, and then God called them into vocational missions. It's been watch, cool to watch God work in their lives. But this first year, I was responsible for it. And I was new, and, you know, I was young, and I was wanting it to go well, and I wanted, I wanted to make sure the program went well. I'm sure there was part of me that said, I want to make sure I look good in it, you know, whatever the case may be. And, you know, we training during the day, and we do worship and teaching in the evening, and Mel brought our young children at that point over one evening, and we were doing the worship time, and I was giving a message. And partway through, Melanie and the kids got up and left, and I thought, hmm, kids must be getting a little tired, you know, going to get the kids home, get them to bed. I didn't think much of it until I got home that night. And my wife said, I didn't recognize the guy up front. Really? Yeah. I didn't recognize him. I've seen you minister and serve when you've been yielded to the Spirit and asking Jesus to work in and through you, and I wasn't seeing that tonight. Ouch. Funny how our wives know us well. Hit the nail on the head. I'd become like Martha. I mean, what I was doing was good. It needed to happen There was great multiplication out of it, but I was distracted by the details of what needed to happen and distracted by what was, how I might look and how the program might look, and I'd lost sight of what was truly important. And the focus of my energies was impacting my impact. Martha gets a bad rap, but I resonate with it. Sometimes I'm just busy doing things and my perspective gets out of whack. Martha gets a bad rap, but Jesus is in the character in our story, right? Jesus is breaking the mold. He had a tendency to do that, didn't he? If you look at in the story and it talks about Mary's posture where Mary is, it says that Mary is sitting at Jesus's feet. Mary sat at the Lord's feet. In that age, Jesus was considered the rabbi, the teacher, and in Jesus' day, the disciple sat at the rabbi's feet. So basically, this is saying Mary was acting as the disciple seated at Jesus' feet, listening to his teaching. I'm like, great, praise the Lord, that's where Mary should be. Not in that day and age. That was not a place for a woman in that day and age. Women were not disciples of male rabbis. We've seen Jesus breaking the mold a lot the last few weeks, haven't we? Jesus had an interaction at the well with a Samaritan woman, a half-breed. And not just a woman, a woman with a sordid past, let me tell you. 
And then we had Jesus interacting with the Roman centurion. The Roman empire, government, bad, no good. Gentile, soldier, uh uh-uh. Last week, Nicodemus, the Pharisee, that religious elitist. Jesus breaking the mold. Now, Mary sitting at his feet. Jesus' focus was people, not labels. He loved everybody. He didn't care about demographics and rhetoric. He didn't care whether they earned it or deserved it. His unconditional love was for all, regardless of gender, ethnic background, their past, their immigration status, their political stance. It did not matter. That wasn't his focus. His focus was seeing people and knowing that he wanted to see their hearts changed. Jim shared that last week. It's not about behavior modification, but heart transformation. I remember a camp Melanie and I were leading down in Australia when we lived down there. And I was a camp speaker for the week. And we had this young guy come in. And man, you, you talk about drawing a conclusion about somebody. I mean, this kid was wild. He was always cutting up. He was causing problems. He was disturbing cabin time and cabin devotions. He's sitting in the back during the, the teaching time, making jokes and distracting people. I mean, you want to make a judgment about, hey, this guy, he doesn't get it. There was actually talk about maybe we should send this kid home. But two women, unbeknownst to each other, began praying for this young guy. Poor kid didn't have a chance, did he? As the week went on, he started moving from the back up a little bit, up a little bit, up a little bit, until he was sitting right on the front row, listening, taking notes, asking questions. And when an invitation was given to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, he responded. And he didn't just respond and and pray a prayer and ask Jesus into his life. But as we said, it's about life transformation. And that's what happened to this kid. He's the one now in the cabin time telling other kids, hey, you need to calm down. We need to focus. He's the one leading others. Last night at the talent show and kids are doing songs and skits and stuff, he gets up on the platform and he says, you might think you've done too many wrong things for Jesus to ever forgive you. If you believe that, it's a lie. Because if Jesus can forgive me, he can forgive you. (laughs) Wow. Jesus breaking the mold. We make judgments about people. Maybe it's a kid down the street or it's our neighbor or it's our coworker, And we think, man, based on what they're saying, uh, yeah, no way. And we get wrapped up in what we can see instead of what Jesus is aiming at. And the focus of our energy impacts our impact. We're wrapped up in what we see or what we hear. We focus our energies there instead of on the heart that Jesus sees. Jesus wants to redeem because it's about life change. That's why we do what we do. 
That's why we send 40 kids off to camp, why we put on summer blast. Because it's about life change. Because we want to see people's lives transformed. That's why I'm imploring you and pleading with you to, to volunteer to serve in kids ministry or tech ministry or youth ministry. Because it's about life change. It's not about just being busy and putting on programs. It's about seeing people's lives transformed by the gospel. Focus of our energy impacts our impact. Yeah, Martha gets a bad rap. And yeah, Jesus is breaking barriers. We wait till the end and we see that Mary's got the secret sauce. Right? Martha bursts in, tell her to help me. Where is Mary? She's sitting there at Jesus' feet. And Jesus says, she discovered the one thing. I can't tell you how many times I read this passage before I, I saw that one thing jump off the page at me. One thing. What's the one thing? It's Jesus. Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet, soaking him You ever take a dry sponge, you know, one of those ones you've used before and kind of hard and crusty and try and, and, and wring it out? Doesn't work, does it? What do you do with a sponge? What do you do with a sponge? You put water on her. You soak stuff up with it, right? My wife comes out in the morning a little groggy. She's getting her coffee, spills some coffee on the floor. And it's got to be her because I don't drink coffee, right? And I grab a sponge, and I soak it up, I wipe up the, the coffee, and then I take and wring the sponge out in the sink. What's going to come out of that sponge? Coffee's going to come out of it, because I soaked up the coffee. I drink Pepsi, I spilled Pepsi. Dad spilled some Pepsi on the floor the other day, and grabs a sponge, and he soaks it up. Goes to the sink, and he wrings it out. What comes out? Pepsi! <laughs> My word! You guys with me here? Come on. Stay with me. Whatever you soak up with the sponge is what you wring out. And if I spend my day focused on me and my leisure or my needs or my wants, and then the pressure of life comes, pressure of relationships or work or finances, and it starts to squeeze me, what's going to come out? My ugliness. Because I got plenty of ugliness in me. But if I spend time soaking up Jesus in his word and in prayer and in worship and in music and I'm soaking Jesus up and the pressure of life comes and I get squeezed and I get wrung out, what's going to come out? Jesus. Jesus. We need to be soaking him up. The focus of our energy needs to be sitting at his feet. And the challenge with COVID is we got comfortable sitting at his feet. Man, I got so much time. I can listen to this podcast and I can listen to that church. And I watch South Hills online and then I go watch two or three other churches online. And we keep just soaking, 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 soaking. But a sponge hits a maximum capacity where it will not soak anything else up. And then it's pointless. Why have the sponge anymore? And if you've been soaking, 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 I want to challenge you 
Maybe it's time to start being wrung out a little bit. If you're feeling wrung out, come back to Jesus. Sit at his feet a while. Soak him up. Don't stop serving. Jesus never told Martha to stop cooking. Jesus told Martha, you're distracted by too many details with your cooking. You've got to find the balance. Soak up Jesus, be wrung out. Soak up Jesus, be wrung out. Well, it's a challenge for me, just be honest. Remember, I'm a doer. I like to get it done. I'm reading through the Bible this year. Melanie and I are both reading through the Bible on the same plan with a couple of friends. It's great. I can tick that off. Got today done. Tick. Got tomorrow done. Tick. And it's easy for me to tick it off without actually pausing and soaking it up. But I keep ticking it off. And I keep in it. And I keep doing it. For the same reason I get up in the morning and get on the elliptical. I don't want to get up and get on the elliptical. I want to sleep another half hour. But I get up and I get on the elliptical because I know I'm going to be stronger, be healthier, I'm going to be better off because I do this. I get in the Bible. I get in the Word. Why? Because I'm going to be stronger. I'm going to be healthier. But here's where my challenge point is. I'll read the Bible. We'll have worship music playing in our house. I struggle with prayer. Struggle with spending concerted time just talking to my Savior. I've tried different things. I made laminated sheets with prayer requests and I stuck them on the wall of the shower. I'm standing there anyway. I can pray. Melanie's great because she's turned our whole bathroom into a prayer closet. She's got scriptures here and requests there and things here. You know, I'm brushing my teeth. I'm reminded, oh, I need to pray about that. Oh, I need to remember that promise. And I encourage you, ask me, how are you doing on your prayer time? Hey, let's pray together, Brian. Because it's a challenge. That's the area of soaking Jesus up that I struggle with. And that could be why at one time Mel said I didn't recognize the guy up there. We need to come back to soak up Jesus. December, I'll be married to Melanie for 30 years. Yeah, pretty excited. So 30 years ago, I was working on wooing her. And uh, just a little reminder, guys, this is a free one. We still need to continue to woo our wives. She reminds me constantly, I'm not conquered. Remember, the focus of your energy impacts your impact. That has to do with your marriage as well. <laughs> but 30 years ago, one of the things I did to help woo my wife is I, uh, I made a collage we still have the collage. It sits in our house. When I originally made it, it was um, kind of a bright purple construction paper. And I'd cut out different words and pictures and phrases that represented some of our hopes and our dreams. Uh, but 30 years on, that collage is showing some wear. The purple paper is no longer purple, it's kind of like tan. Many of the images, the words, the things we've cut out have faded. Some of them you can barely read. But what strikes me about this 30 years on is that right in the middle. 
Even then, we wanted God's word to be central, a focal point of our lives and our marriage. And what just amazes me is that it hasn't faded. Everything else in this collage has faded with time. Some of our hopes that we thought, some of the things we thought we might do or the things we'd want to do, some of those have faded. We didn't, we're not necessarily doing those things anymore. But God and his word never fades, never changes. So we need to come back and soak it up because the focus of our energies impacts our impact. So just a couple of questions, a couple of thoughts to ponder as we wrap up our time in the Word and move to a musical worship. My first question is, have you been trying to work your way to Jesus? Trying to earn His good favor by your hard work. Whether that's salvation, you're trying to earn your way to heaven, or you are saved and you've still been trying to earn his good grace. My challenge to you this morning is to let go. Rest and receive Jesus into your life, knowing that you don't have to do anything to earn it. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, we'd love to help you do that today. That's online. In a little while, we'll have some people in our prayer corners, and you can do that. Second, how do you need to focus your energies? Do you need to come back and spend some time just soaking Jesus up because you've gotten out of whack, whether that's you've been cruising through COVID and relaxing a little too much, you've gotten out of touch with your relationship with the Lord, or maybe you've just been so busy you've gotten distracted. How do you need to renew your focus? And then this morning I had a guy praying with us. We have prayer time at 8 o'clock upstairs. And one of the guys prayed, Lord, if he needs to say something that he wasn't planning on, you show him that. So this next question isn't going to be on the screen. It's one I felt like the Lord wanted me to ask this morning. Do you need to re-engage in service of some capacity, in relationship with some capacity? Maybe you need to join a life group because you've been disconnected too long. You've enjoyed being disconnected. You've enjoyed your own schedule, but it's time. It's time to re-engage. I've enjoyed my time, my quiet time with my family and my not having to be very busy. I'm not asking you to be busy. I'm asking you to serve out of the focus of an energy that's soaking Jesus up. Do you need to re-engage? And then finally... How can you sit at Jesus' feet this week? Maybe you need to get into God's Word. You need to start spending time reading it each day. I encourage you to get the YouVersion Bible app. They have all sorts of reading plans. You don't have to commit to a year through the Bible. They have seven-day reading plans or five-day reading plans, something that drives you back into Scripture. Maybe you need to get together with some others and pray. Just focus your own self in prayer. Maybe you need to change your radio station because you got too much talk radio or too much other stuff going that's filling your mind and you need to switch it over to something that's going to focus your mind on Jesus. Do you realize I think there's three, at least three Christian music radio stations here in the tri. Take your pick. Grab a Spotify playlist. Start filling your mind. Start soaking up Jesus. 
I love that. Uh, I love Rod and the worship team, and I'm always amazed that when we come to worship, sometimes Rod and I chat and have a chance to organize the structure of the service together. Sometimes we, our paths just don't cross, but the song we're going to stand and sing here in just a moment, it's called The Stand. The pre-chorus says, what can I say, what can I do, but offer this heart, O oh God, completely to you? chorus says, I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned in awe of the one who gave it all. I'll stand, my soul, Lord, to you surrendered. All I am is yours. Ah, what an appropriate way to finish this message and to move into worship, continue to worship together. I'm yielding myself. I surrender it all to you, Lord, Heavenly Father. You are the one thing thank you that we don't have to work our way to your favor. We don't have to earn anything with you. You've already done it all. Thank you that you break the mold and you love and accept all. That you invest in everyone, no matter their background, no matter what they sound like, no matter what they look like, no matter what their rhetoric is. You care about them. God, give us those same eyes. Lord, help us. Help us to serve. But do so out of a heart that's yielded and surrendered to you, that spent time soaking you up so that our impact truly makes an impact, not for us, but for your name and for your kingdom and for your glory. In Jesus' name.